Turkey Call All Access, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation, brought to you by Nomad Outdoor. Turkey Call All Access is a digital campfire where the host and guests discuss topics of the day, conservation efforts, tips and techniques to better your experience as a field, and share our members' stories. Welcome back, everybody. This is it, the final episode of the Turkey Call All Access, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation, brought to you by Nomad Outdoor for 2022. This week, we welcome in Al Stewart, director of the Nimrod Education Center at Hillsdale College, 50 years with the Michigan DNR, the only professional to have trapped and harvested all the subspecies of wild turkey plus the oscillated jungle turkey. You're going to hear Al's story and more. You can also find Al's story in the January, February edition of the Turkey Call book, hitting mailboxes uh, now or within the last week. We're going to do all that with Al and more. It's a great conversation. 90 seconds. Let's go. Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation. Some say a silenced gunshot is the baddest sound out there. At Silencer Central, we have another favorite. It's the sound of silence delivered to your front door. When you buy from Silencer Central, we handle your application, set you up with a free NFA gun trust, and deliver your silencer straight to you. With an average 90-day turnaround time when you use eForms, buying a silencer is simpler than ever. Visit silencercentral.com and we'll help you get started. Have you been to shop.nwtf.org yet? Well, if not, I invite you to go there now. Again, that's shop.nwtf.org for all the latest and greatest NWTF lifestyle gear. Need a trucker cap? We got you covered. Need a low pro hat? We got you covered there. Guys gear, ladies gear, kids gear, accessories for the pool, for the backyard, for hunting, camping. We got you all there shop.nwtf.org go there today and get your latest nwtf gear ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another installment of the turkey call all access podcast the official podcast of the national wild turkey federation this week i am joined the pleasure al stewart the director of the nimrod education center uh we're gonna go through all of Al's, well, most of his resume is time allows, but uh, in the most recent edition of the Turkey Call publication, the book that just hit mailboxes here in the last week, uh, there is a feature on Al, on Mr. Stewart here, and, and what's notable, uh, besides a great resume, Al is the only individual that we, that we know of to have trapped and harvested all subspecies of wild turkey to include the jungle bird, the oscillated turkey. All that being said, Al, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for uh, carving the time out. Yeah, hey, thanks for inviting me, Fred. This is uh, pretty exciting. I, I enjoy talking about turkeys. So. Yeah, no doubt. So, well, we're in the right place, and you're in good company. And uh, I wish we had more than an hour, so perhaps this will be a two-parter at some point. <laughs> how uh, how are the, the, the holidays treating you? And you're in Michigan, is that right? Yeah, I'm I'm in Michigan, and uh, you know we're we're 
just here, just before a storm might come rolling in. Yeah, so, it's uh, uh, it's it's yeah. about to get real sporty across most of the country here as we're recording this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess the the natural question, uh, not fact checking our people because they're pretty good at what they do, but. This, in fact, is a true statement. The only wildlife professional to to do what I just said. What does that mean? I mean, it certainly is a, a heck of a, a feather in a cap of a, a wildlife professional and a, a turkey nut like yourself and someone that's looking at you being like, wow, I'm just trying to get to all these places. Never mind. Touch them all multiple times. How is what is that like? Well, it's, it's pretty exciting. You know, I, the, I think one of the, the key parts of it is. You know, being a professional uh, wildlife biologist, turkey biologist that uh, has had the opportunity to, you know, trap for either research or restoration activities, you know, all the subspecies plus the oscillated. Uh, and, and then I was fortunate enough to be recognized by my peers and NWTF for uh, having done that. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, the, the next step is as a turkey hunter to be able to, you know, go out and shoot a world slam, sure. you know, that those are always fun too. So, you know, putting them both together, I, I, I guess, uh, puts me in a, a, a class all by myself. Yeah. Turkey myself. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and as, and as we all well know, turkey hunters being, uh, completely competitive for <laughs> myriad of reasons, uh, now having this published here and this, this factoid getting out, I would imagine that some wildlife professional, uh, maybe just clear their doctorate is going to be like, I have something to achieve. There cannot be a class of one, right? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think the water has gone over the dam. You know, it's, uh, you know, I, I was very, very, very fortunate, uh, you know, to have strong support from the National Wild Turkey Federation and, uh, you know, people like James Earl Kenimer and, uh, you know, the the CEOs of NWTF. Plus, you know, I I worked with the Michigan Department of Natural Resources mm-hmm. for fifty years, uh, and uh, you know dabbled in turkeys throughout most of my career as, as well as other things. But, uh, yeah, so I had, you know, the agency was supportive of me helping, you know, in other States and other places. And, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I, I'm feel very, very fortunate to, you know, and as you be, just, be- yeah, as you alluded to there, I mean, the work is not just it, it encompasses uh, upland game birds in totality, right? I mean, you did a lot of work with turkeys, but instrumental in in woodcock research and woodcock banding, which you know is seeing its own issues right now and in populations and as a migratory bird, what does that mean in so many different places? Not just, you know, as we look at turkeys across the landscape, I I think we have a more distinct advantage uh, over turkey management than perhaps woodcock management because we can isolate regions of the country and wildlife professionals can perhaps, you know, have multi-year studies and kind of find the commonality. What's, what's the common variable here that's, that's harassing or a detriment to these, these turkey populations where you're going, you know, multiple countries uh, when it comes to woodcock management and, and, and things of that nature. So I, I got to imagine that presents its own set of challenges. Yeah, you know, they're, they're you know, woodcock on their own are, are, are unique and hard to study because, you know, they're, they don't have big flocks like you would right. see great snow geese or Canada geese. They're, they're a migratory bird that... Uh, um, kind of sticks to itself for the most part mm. you know turkeys are with, with some really specific needs right. where turkeys are you know they flock together uh they're generalists you know right. they they 
they can be in the desert or they can be in the mountains, yeah. you know, different subspecies. So yeah, yeah, they're, they're quite a bit different, but, uh, you know, uh, through, through my career, I've had a chance to look at them all and, uh, you know, it's just enjoyable to see different country. We all like to kind of see a different spot, hunt a different place, view 100%. a different place. And I've, I've had the good fortune to, to, to do that as, again, as a professional on multiple species. And then, you know, as a turkey hunter, uh, to be able to see all these different areas and, you know, the, oh, the, the, the swamps of Florida are quite a bit different than, you know, the, the north woods of uh, Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Yeah, you know? no, so, no doubt. A lot of variety or, you know, whether you, you know, you're out in the Black Hills of South Dakota, you know, or the black kettle areas of, of uh, Oklahoma or, you know, the, the areas in Texas, you know, great variations. But that's what makes studying turkeys and the different subspecies and where they like to be, hmm. you know, where they out, you know, re- really both challenging and uh, you get to see a lot of a lot of great country. And then, uh, you know, as a professional for me, I, you know, there's the National Wild Turkey, you know, had the uh, uh, Wild Turkey Technical Committee, which advised the the federation overall for many many years uh you know biologists from each state who who you know put in their their information about what was going on what turkeys needed and uh, so you know i i was able to be a small part of that large group of you know great turkey biologists yeah. and 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 you know, as 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 a young professional, as a pulp professional, so to say, I mm-hmm. I had the ability to learn from some of the greats, and uh, I I was so lucky that there were people who kind of took me under their wing yeah. and uh, you know uh, encouraged me to do some of these things. So uh, yeah, it's 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 been great. I I, I had a chance, you know, kind of talking about you know why would you even. Um, try to shoot grand slams of anything or, you know, trap grand slams. And, um, and I'm not a grand, be, you know, quite frank, but I'm not a grand slam kind of guy, yeah. but this, this all just worked in that, you know, yeah. along those lines. And when I was trying to learn more about wild turkeys and, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of deep knowledge in Michigan. We had some, but we, uh, t- turkeys, but we, you know, it was, it was sort of a minor thing in the world of wildlife management in Michigan, because we had lots of deer and Michigan's a deer state, mm-hmm. you know, and people hunt deer in Michigan and, uh, that's, that's the bread and butter. Uh, so we had a few turkeys and, uh, um, then we, uh, we decided to, you know, do more with that as, as the country did, you know, as, you know, Missouri had turkeys, you know, but Iowa didn't necessarily have turkeys. And so there were, uh, you know, the birds that were taken from Missouri, taken to Iowa and, you know, that, that initial side of turkey biology said that, you know, turkeys had to have, you know, oak woods larger than you and I, and three or four other people could put their arms around a great big oak tree, 10,000 acres of that kind of habitat that's the only place turkeys would live right right but now now we know you know quite a bit different than that's that. exactly right but and you know when turkeys were a species of scarcity that's what you looked at and mm-hmm. there were only these little pockets you know sort of in the in in the different areas of of the country that held birds uh and michigan was one of those states like so many states that you know prior to european settlement 
you know, we had about 94,000 turkeys in the state. Mm. And, uh, but as it became developed, um, you know, people ate turkeys, you know, they, they were good to eat. There That's was right. no, uh, uh, you know, no grocery store. I mean, people were living off the land. It wasn't that they were doing anything necessarily poaching. Like, you know, we would say today, mm-hmm. it's, they were living off the land. That was, you know, the woods was their, uh, their larder and, uh, they ate them all. Yeah. They were good to eat. <laughs> <They're> good eating. <laughs> and that, by 1900, you know, there were no turkeys left in Michigan. And mm. it wasn't until the 50s that we started to, you know, like, again, so many other states do a little bit of restoration. We got some birds from Pennsylvania, um, just just a small group of birds, put them in an area, and it was just a small area. They didn't expand, you know, really well from that. Um, and, uh, you know, then then we, we uh, in 1983, we really put a concerted effort forward to do restoration. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in the early eighties, uh, working with biologists that were part of, you know, like the Midwest deer and Turkey group, you know, so we, we looked at what was in Michigan habitat wise and James Earl Kenimer and a bunch of other uh, Turkey authorities of the day came, flew over Michigan. We had some meetings here and, and then we got birds from Iowa initially. Um, and, uh, because a lot of Michigan was, a lot like Iowa, you know, so a little ag land part of it. And then we, we got some birds from Missouri and, uh, that started our real restoration of, you know, Eastern wild turkeys. And that's how I got, you know, involved with the, you know, trapping birds. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I, when I was, uh, um, in the very early seventies, when I was, uh, um, like a temporary worker for the, the Michigan DNR. And I, I was still going in college and, uh, I, I was invited to uh, go on a project through our wildlife pathology lab up into Northern Michigan, where we had some birds trap them, take blood from, you know, kind of a, a litmus test, a test, you know, as a, you know, um, internal parasites, blood quality, all of that. Sure. And I, I went along on that trip and it was like, Oh my gosh, that's what I want. I want to do more. <laughs> this is really cool, yeah. you know. And that was kind of the, you know, what started me off in the kind of the turkey side of it. And then uh, it was so cool that it was like, oh, yeah, you can hunt them too. All the well, <laughs> even I want, better. I hunt. Also, in the early seventies, <laughs> I, you know, where we had trap birds or in that that area, you know, you had to apply for a permit mm-hmm. if you were lucky to get one. You know, you could go. There weren't many, and I happened to draw one, and uh, we went up and hunted them. And uh, we didn't get a bird that that year, but uh, you know, there was there were no. We couldn't just go to the store and buy turkey calls. You know, there sure. were no turkey calls That's at right. that time. There wasn't really good camel, and I remember uh, one of the guys uh, that was had hunted them maybe one other time before said, well, you know, you have to really camouflage your face up well and all of that. And mm-hmm. so we, we, there was no camel. So we ended up taking, um, like cork, you know, like a, like a, uh, cork stopper Yep. and it burned that. That's right. And then you r- rub that black all over on your face Yeah. and, and you really blended in well. Sure. Um, but but it it was a pain to get it off. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you, you had to use a lot of soap and water. Yeah. To get, you know. So that's that's what got me started, and and then um, then I got into uh, you know Michigan is real active in 
making duck calls and those sort of things. And I had some friends that did a little of that. And uh, then we were trying to encourage other people to, to learn how to hunt turkeys. Nobody really, you know, nobody sure. knew. Um, so uh, I, I was encouraged to try to teach people how to make some turkey calls. And, you know, I, I communicated with Neil Cost mm. and, uh, you know, a great turkey call maker yep. uh, of all time, really. And uh, he was just so considerate of me. And he, he he gave me all sorts of tips and kits and everything. In fact, I have so many of his calls still and and some of his kits really? that he even made. Oh, yeah. very nice. Yeah. So um, he, he was really good at helping me do that once I, I you know, I learned how to do that. And then, then, uh, then I taught other people how to make various turkey calls. Uh, mm. And then I didn't have any money either. I was, you know, still kind of a temporary worker with the DNR and a college student. And uh, so I, I uh, made a slate call from uh, a piece of slate that fell off one of the old buildings at Michigan <laughs> State University <laughs> nice. and shipped that and made a little slate call from that. And, uh, um, you know, I, I used, uh, uh, made some diaphragm calls, you know, from, from a prophylactic and, uh, uh, aluminum from a beer can and, yeah. and, and some, uh, athletic tape, you know, I mean, it was pretty primitive, but it, it worked. It works. And so I, you know, it, that's, that's kind of how I grew into it. Mm-hmm. And, and I want, again, wanted to learn more about wild turkeys and a, a turkey biologist by the name of Lovett Williams in Florida invited me to come down and learn about turkeys. And I, I had the chance to, uh, you know, trap an Osceola down there with him. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, he and Dave Austin were doing work on fish eating Creek when it was a wildlife area and a research area down there. And so I was just lucky, you know, he invited me down. I came down, did that and was like, Oh, this is cool. And he was uh, using uh, at that point some uh, cannon nets to. Mm-hmm. He, he was one of the people who first kind of started that off. Uh, you know, these cannon nets or rocket nets were originally used to trap waterfowl, yeah. and then you know shifted over to to turkeys. Pretty effective. And so, so he 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 helped to improve the success of using that technique. Mm-hmm. I mean, other people did too, but he he was he was a really practical wildlife researcher. And so he, he did that and he showed me that and then invited me to come down and hunt, um, a turkey down Osceola down there. And, uh, so I went down and shot one with, with him. Good way to start. You know, he, so, so that was, that was really great. And, um, I remember one morning he, he sent me out and said, well, it had rained a lot. And so fishing Creek had really overflowed its banks and uh, part of this research or part of the area that was open to hunting, uh, I mean, was just flooded. And usually it was pasture. And so he took me out and said, well, I'll go here and go up and, you know, walk along this edge and, you know, you'll hear him gobble. And so I'm doing that. Well, in Michigan, um, if you get your feet wet, I mean, you're done for the day. I mean, it's cold yeah. water. And so, uh, but there in Florida, I didn't realize the water was quite so warm. And, and I, I, I sat out there all morning and these birds were all, I had to get through the water to get to where they were. So, um, I, I finally decided, well, that's, I've got to get to where they, you know, where they're located. They would respond to my calls, but they, they weren't, uh, they weren't crossing the water very mm-hmm. well. And I'm walking through the water and all of a sudden 
this big old log that's next to me um, moves. And it turns mm-hmm. out it was a big alligator. <laughs> <laughs> the waters of Florida are, are completely different yeah. than the Floridas of uh, the, the water of Michigan and the UP, no? <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, that's pretty neat. So, it, you know, I, I got to I got to go to the school of hard knocks and, you know, l- learn a little bit. But I was successful and got yeah. one. And and so um, L- love it uh, showed me how to make wing bone calls because oh, he was cool. really into that. Mm-hmm. And um, and so when I came back to camp with with this bird, he said, boy, you know, you have you ever thought about doing a, a grand slam? Like I've never ever thought about it. He yeah. said, Well, you just shot the hardest the one. The hardest one. You start off with the best one. Yeah. Yeah. So oh he said, you you know, you 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 should consider that. And hmm. you know, I thought about it, but uh and, and then again for Michigan, we had very limited number of hunting opportunities as a permit. And if you got it, uh, uh you you were you know, you could hunt, but there, there were like very, very few. And, but if you didn't draw, you could not hunt turkeys. Well, you know, I, I was bitten by the turkey bug. So, um, I, I had <laughs> turkeys. So I, you know, uh, Missouri had lots of turkeys in those days as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that wasn't a very far drive from Michigan. So, uh, if you, if I didn't get drawn, then I would drive to, to Missouri and hunt mm. turkeys and some of the public lands there. Um, again, I, I, I didn't have a lot of, uh, uh, liquid acts. Uh, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of money, quite frankly. Mm. So it, I hunted on public lands cause you know, I, I, I couldn't pay a lease. I couldn't sure. do any of also, it, it was pretty, uh, rough and tumble kind of hunting. Uh, but, uh, went and, you know, got lucky birds answered my call, came in and, you know, I refined my calling techniques a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, got, got, uh, was, was just lucky. we did that, you know, in spring, fall. So it was, it was good. Then, you know, got permits here in Michigan or, uh, opportunities in Michigan too, or the other would be that someone else would get drawn and then you would go out and call for them. Mm. So I, I just really liked to call and make the sounds of turkeys sure. and uh you know I, I did some with my own voice called in birds with my own voice made my own diaphragm calls you know had the wing bone calls um and then taught other people you know Which, what, what neil cost had taught me so it's a remarkable statement when you think about that um you know especially when it comes to hunting in totality is is such a, a pursuit of limited opportunities. You know, it, you're, you're refined to seasons. You're refined to uh, capital uh, as far as you can either walk or drive. Um, and then land access comes into so much of this. And then the species that you're pursuing in totality as well. Right. So what's cool about turkey hunters, and, and this is a, a juxtaposition to a conversation I've had and others have had with, with Colonel Kelly is Around this time that you're referencing and, and fast forward to now, as we go into 2023, uh, turkey hunters in his day were guarded, weren't sharing anything, weren't showing anybody how to do it. If you knew, you knew. And that was it. Fast forward to today is how willing we are uh, to share that information, one, and then two, find a way to make ourselves a part of that hunt. Because like you just said, and I would agree not pulling the trigger, but
But being able to be out there and be part of someone else's pursuit, especially a new person as we're introducing them to this craziness that is turkey hunting is almost just as enjoyable as pulling that trigger and, and oftentimes can be more enjoyable and you're doubling your pursuits. And that's, and for me, and I, I suspect you, uh, the longer you can extend your springs is, is great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's something about, you know, turkey hunting that, um, it takes the best of all hunting, mm. you know, the best of the best of deer hunting with the woodsmanship and understanding, you know, how, uh, where animals live and what they do. But, but that's a lot. Woodsmanship to me is associated a lot with deer hunting, you know, and, and then it, it turkey hunting takes also the best of duck hunting where you're calling the, the birds and they're responding and you're watching what they're doing and, and you're adjusting your sounds to what they're doing. So turkey hunting combines those two really places where you can have great adventures yeah. and, and puts it all into one place. And then the really good turkey hunters that I know get really do get more satisfaction out of calling in a turkey or mentoring someone mm -hmm. for their hunt. They, they just do. They, they love it. And I love it. Yeah. And, and, and uh, so, yeah, it helps, ex, you know, extend, expand your season. Mm -hmm. And uh, then again, when you, when you put that, put the hunting side of it together and you then put that together with the professional aspect of it so then as a biologist you have to look at it and say all right you know we didn't have many turkeys we're doing some restoration activities now and we want our biologists also to learn about the biology yeah. of wild turkeys and where they live and what we can do to improve habitat for them and and uh then you also personally want to learn more so you have to you know, you have to keep the enthusiasm of of the the biologists up, all the people that are professionals in that, and so they can really learn. And for me, what I always thought about was, you know, if I was a turkey, what would I be doing right now? Right. And that's how I look at it as a biologist, and that's how I looked at it as a hunter. You know, it's like if it's pouring rain. Where do I want to be? Turkey? What's turkey? And so as turkey hunters, when, when we go into the woods, we look at that four-day season or two-week season that, you know, that, that's out there, that, that time you're hunting, and you and, and it's like, what's happening in the woods right now? Mm -hmm. But that's as it relates to us. And we forget to think that that turkey lives in that woods 365 days out of the year. Right. So if it's raining, you know, he's not going up to, you know, up to the cabin and locking himself in, you know, <laughs> he, he has a different way of looking at right. it. And, and he, that's how he survives. That's what he looks at. Yeah. And so you have to think, what is it that that bird is doing right now? So if it's pouring rain, where is he? What's he doing? And, you know, I, I've had it where in pouring rain, you know, been able to call a Tom in, you know, and they gobble. And when they're in the mode, they're in the mode and they, they, they don't, they're a, a, a lot more vocal on a great, you know, spring morning that all the birds are singing, you know, and, and they're just stimulated by the day mm -hmm. and gobble at almost anything. And, and, or, you know, you have a, a cold, windy, rainy day 
they're, they're not as excited about, you know, gobbling. No, they're but not. They're, and typically they're in the middle of a field all huddled together um, yeah. trying to stay alive. <laughs> yeah. And so that that's what they do. But at the yeah. same time, they're they're. Their main responsibility is to breed the hen. That's right. So the next year, and they they have a brain the size of a pea or a walnut. Yep. And they 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 outsmart us with that. That's size exactly of right. <laughs> every day at some time or another, yes, every time they're out there hunting. So so you know again that's what we have to look at and that's what we have to think about and again i I've, I've been fortunate to to be able to do that and uh, again people kind of take take me under their wing and show me that and when we when we got birds from missouri and and iowa uh then our responsibility for our biologists who had not done much work with turkeys is to let this population you know kind of expand a little bit but then be able to trap those birds and then move them to other areas in southern Michigan um, to expand our population and restore birds across their, you know, n- native habitat. And that's what we did. And uh, in order to learn more about it, you know, I, I, I read th- th- there really wasn't a lot out there, uh, you know, pub- published. Mm-hmm. You know, again, just like turkey hunting, so much of it was handed down from one good turkey trapper to another. Sure turkey trapper so some of it was just you know the story that was told or the hands-on here's how you do it and then some of the literature was actually contradictory of you know how do you wire it up or not wire it up and the deeper i got into it the more i could see you know that we need to do something different we need to have a manual or some way of training people to be consistent in how they use these you know rocket nets mm-hmm. how they trap birds so because we don't have a lot of time we don't have a lot of people and our birds are kind of scarce so we, we have to be very strategic uh, and surgical on how we sure. do that and so um i was then invited to uh go out to iowa and uh trap with some of their turkeys or their biologists who were trapping turkeys and uh um, giving them to other states. And so they, they had a, a, a really strong population and they were really good about sharing birds. And so we, I went out there and learned from some of their, their top tra- trappers mm. and then came back here and put together a manual for our biologists to learn how to do it and uh, be successful. And, and they were, so, uh, myself and a couple other people developed, a you know, a training video, which back then was, you know, nobody did video. Right, I mean, right. So, so um, you know, we, we, we still had uh, film that you had to send off to someplace to get a slide, you know. Okay, so, gotcha. <laughs> some viewers may, may not even know what a slide nope. is. No, nope, not yeah, at all. So, <laughs> uh-huh. so it, it, it came a little harder mm. and uh, had that chance to go out and do that, bring it back. But then then I started to also hear from other states, other places where people were trapping turkeys or even waterfall for that matter. And, um, you know, there were accidents happening. Mm. And, and so uh, a charge might go off that shouldn't have gone off or um, a rocket went up and uh, actually went over a power line. Uh, you know, there were things that 
that shouldn't happen. Yeah. And so, um, I, I, you know, we developed this safety manual and, uh, then trained other biologists from other States how to do it, uh, you know, the correct way, because these, the charges that you put in there, uh, in the rocket nets were, um, like howitzer pellets. Sure. And, and then the, the, uh, the primers were like primers for the Patriot missiles. You know, so before nine 11, even we were doing this mm-hmm. and, and then you had to keep track of, you know, legally you had to keep track yeah, of everything you know, along, where you right? what, yep. what was going on and then how you stored it and, you know, the charge by itself, uh, just laying out in the ground w- w- was just a fire starter. You know, it just poof, it mm. didn't do anything. But when you put it into a, a, a rocket, which is sort of like a, uh, a, a pipe bomb with, uh, you know, <laughs> it's exactly what it, it is, you know, with, 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 a, with, it's sort of like a pipe bomb with a mission. Okay. <laughs> That's and, a that's a um, quotable spot right there too. Uh, I'm gonna mark that. Thirty minutes and forty two seconds. Pipe bomb with a mission. I love that because that's ex- exactly what it, it appears to be, right? Yeah, no, it, and, and it is, and and so, but you still there's a lot of care. There's you know it's explosive. You yeah. you have to be careful every minute of the time. And at this, you know, when when I was doing some of this, I was also doing some like aerial waterfall surveys, uh, you know, flying, you know, over marshes and things. And I noticed that every time our pilot, you know, with a small plane, every time he got into the plane and he did lots of hours on it, he would pull out this little card and, and he would follow the instructions on the little card. And the little card was like, number one, close the door on the airplane. Number two, you know, uh, check to see if you have gas. Number three, mm-hmm. you know, it was just, it was very simple, you know, fasten your suit belt, but it was a list mm-hmm. and he followed every list, you know, every point on that list all the way down till, you know, when we took off and when we came back and landed. So I was like, well, gee, something like that, you know, we should have a list for Turkey trappers to sure. Here's what you start you do this you do this you do this and uh so we developed you know some of that type of criteria too mm-hmm. so it was you know it, it i think it was helpful um and uh so people in michigan you know used that in other states that then came in and you know through you know I, I helped host some wild turkey symposiums here in michigan and and we had some workshops attached to that work that you know, we're, we're part of this, but there's, you know, there are federal regulations about how you handle mm. explosives, sure. you know? And so we, we included that and, um, you know, rules that you would have to tell the local fire department, where are you storing these? So mm. if there was a fire in that building, um, they knew something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, we, we pulled that all together. Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation. Some say a silenced gunshot is the baddest sound out there. 
At Silencer Central, we have another favorite. It's the sound of silence delivered to your front door. When you buy from Silencer Central, we handle your application, set you up with a free NFA gun trust, and deliver your silencer straight to you. With an average 90-day turnaround time when you use eForms, buying a silencer is simpler than ever. Visit silencercentral.com and we'll help you get started. Have you been to shop.nwtf.org yet? Well, if not, I invite you to go there now. Again, that's shop.nwtf.org for all the latest and greatest NWTF lifestyle gear. Need a trucker cap? We got you covered. Need a low pro hat? We got you covered there. Guys gear, ladies gear, kids gear, accessories for the pool, for the backyard, for hunting, camping. We got you all there. Shop.nwtf.org. Go there today and get your latest NWTF gear. But I, uh, and, and then through the National Wild Turkey Federation, there were people who, once we talked about, gee, we should do, we should try to do this like Grand Slam on trapping turkeys. Mm. And, and, <laughs> and so there, there were some people that were part of that uh, idea. I thought that was pretty great. And so uh, Brian Burhans was one of those people that worked for NWTF and their, you know, the biology part of it. And so he's now the director of uh, the commission in Pennsylvania. Mm. Uh, Scott Vance uh, worked in that with Mm -hmm. NWTF and they, they really gave me on the ground support. And so Brian and I, um, you know, we, we went to, well, Scott did too, uh, went to Mexico and helped trap Gould's turkeys mm-hmm. to bring Arizona. And uh, so, you know, that's in the Sierra Madres. It's up in the middle of nowhere. There wasn't a lot known about Gould's turkeys in Mexico. And Arizona used to have, you know, a lot of them. But, uh, you know, again, like, you know, all the other subspecies of turkeys they kind of um got eliminated and uh so anyway they they were they worked at doing that there was a biologist turkey biologist in arizona at, at one point in the early end of this is ron ingle wilson and he he was somebody who uh drove down into errors or drove down into mexico and helped trap a few birds to try to bring up initially and then mm-hmm. uh then the turkey federation uh, wanted to be part of this larger restoration project. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we went down and I, they invited me to be part of that. So that's how I was able to capture a, you know, a, a Goulds there. And uh, the, the ex- exciting side of it is that uh, in Arizona, the, some, from some of the stuff that Ron Engel Wilson had done, those, those populations because he had he had done it almost like ten years earlier, so those mm. populations were beginning to expand, and uh, um, but n- nobody really trapped them, you know, with rocket nets, and th- they they had some bits and pieces. Uh, Ron had had retired or moved on, and there were just parts, you know, for turkey trapping around, and the the turkey biologist for the state, Brian uh, for Arizona. Asked me to come there and, and help and 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 uh, um, so we I came down and worked with with them and taught a, a guy by the name of um, um, John Milkins to trap some you know trap the birds. Mm-hmm. So the fun part is that 
those Gould's turkeys that were up there, we we trapped the the first group um, in modern times and moved them to another sky mountain. Hmm. And and John was part of that. It happened just happened to be his like district where he worked. Okay, and so he he helped do that. And then after that, he was the main turkey trapper for Arizona. No, no so so we gave him kind of the first. Okay, here's how you do it. And, yeah, and we trapped him, and we were really excited about it. And like I said, Brian Burhans was there, and so we we got to trap those goulds there. And then move them in a, into another place. So I was part of that group that trapped those first birds mm-hmm. from Arizona in modern times. And, you know, that we were doing it in part to help trap ghouls too, but it was, it was all, um, you know, that little mark of history that you might get into. Yeah. And, and then, then when we were down in Mexico, we had trapped some birds that then, you know, were, were brought as well and held in quarantine and, you know, done all of that. So, mm. so, so that was fun. And then to bring the story back around this past spring, I went down and I've, I've hunted Goulds down there before, but this past spring went down and hunted at this property. And it turns out it was the property. So I shot a turkey on this property with my son. And it turns out this property is where we trapped. Oh, no kidding. A group of birds for Arizona. And the landowner said, you were here before, weren't you? And I'm like, geez, I don't know. Because we came into it from a whole different angle than the way sure, we sure. did when down there. And and uh, he said, we're, you were part of the group that trapped turkeys here. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I helped track. Well, this is the place you no guys kidding. just came in from the west, from the, from the west part of the farm. And, you know, now you're on the east part of the farm. Huh. So that, that was like, bring the circle all back around. Wow. And how long and, was it between those two adventures? Oh my gosh. Probably 15 years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. About and, it. and then, and, and then the, a similar thing happened with, um, oscillated turkeys you know or the jungle mm-hmm. uh, turkey down there the the you know the the oscillated is, is that turkey that that looks like you it took a wild turkey and you crossed it with a peacock That's right. they're just beautiful beautiful birds so i was originally invited to go down to work with a guy by the name of john mcroberts who was just starting his phd to study oscillated turkeys in campeche and i was invited to go down and uh, help work with him on how to use rocket nets. They'd been using some walk-in traps and doing that. And he was putting telemeters on and, you know, really trying to follow, learn about oscillate. Nobody had really studied oscillate. Sure. Right. right. That's pretty fascinating stuff. Oh yeah. And so we, we got him down there and we trapped some birds with the rocket net and uh, he, he used that and he, he, you know, he trapped some other birds, put, transmitters on them and was able to follow them through the jungle mm. and it's really hallmark uh landmark research yeah it's amazing it, research uh, right yeah yeah and and so john really is is uh it, in my opinion the the world's authority on oscillated mm. turkeys not up, up in in missouri at the university but uh he he still has strong interest and ties you know down to that study area so this past spring um uh, uh no 
two springs ago, um, uh, John and myself and my son and a couple other people uh, went down into Campeche and uh, we hunted birds and shot birds down there. Fantastic. And so, so it, it, it's it's fun. I, I think you asked for a picture that's it's fun. So here's John and myself. Is uh, I mean, he was just a yeah. college kid, and I, I was, you know, just a little, little older than that, it seems like. And, you know, we, we went down and hung out in the jungle together and, you know, learned new things together. Mm. And now we go back down there and harvest the birds, you know, 10 plus 15 years again. That's great. Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's a small world, the wildlife world and the oh, no doubt. world. And there's, there's just so, so many, again, great experiences that are out there. So in the interest of time, cause I want to, I want to get to a, a few more questions here before we have to uh, wrap. Cause I, like I said, at the beginning of this set, we could talk for hours about this and I just sit here like a little kid listening. What, um, uh, this may be an unfair question, but I'm going to pose it anyway. Uh, what species was your favorite to trap? And sub question, uh, the most challenging, whether it be terrain or popu- population limitations. Um, and I'll let you go from there. Yeah, no. Uh, it, to me, anytime you can trap a turkey, <laughs> you, you, that, that's pretty special. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think as a turkey, you know, you're, you're trying to get this one tom you know, in close to you, 20 yards and, um, come in and not see you and, you know, where you fooled them. And, and so take that and, and multiply that by a flock of 20 birds. That's right. Who are, and each one looking for something out, <laughs> out of kilter, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and so, uh, th- those are the challenges to be able to, it, you know, it's, it's like trapping anything, right? You know, you, you uh, think about what the animal's thinking about, and then el- eliminate anything that would kind of throw it off. And so, for for turkeys, sometimes we 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 ran a cord, uh, 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 like an extension cord, almost. It wasn't that, but uh, out from where you were sitting in your blind mm-hmm. to the rocket was. But if that cord w- was exposed. So you had to cover it with vegetation or snow, you know, in the winter. But if it was exposed in some places, sometimes the turkeys would see that. Yeah. And they wouldn't cross it. So they wouldn't go into the bait. They wouldn't be in a position where you could, you know, touch the rockets off. The other thing was you had to pay attention. You know, you had to have 20 birds in the right spot at the right time. Right. To be able to set it off. You only get one shot at it. You get one shot at it. Yeah. And and then, you know, the ones that you don't capture under the net, um, just just like turkey hunting, you know, when you shoot at a bird and you <laughs> miss them, you know, they they don't come running right back That's in right. when you call to and particularly to that site. So so my point to this is any turkey's been really great to mm-hmm. be able to trap. Uh I, I think the most challenging probably was but also the most rewarding was, you know, trapping the the oscillated yeah. turkey because that was just all new turf. I mean, I'd never been in a jungle before. Sure. I'd never been in that area. Um, I, you know, had seen pictures of the birds, but not really seen it. It's like when they came in, uh, both John and I, I mean, they, they, they came in really close. But, I mean, we were like 
um, almost buck fever type, you know I mean? You know, your, your knees were kind of trembling a little bit. You were like, wow. Okay. And then it's like, Oh God, they're really beautiful. Oh, they're coming in. Oh, I, you know, <laughs> should we set it off now or not? Yeah. Are we, what are we doing? So we, there was just a lot of, you know, don't move, but Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't have, we had natural blinds that we put up, you know, so it, it was, um, that was what was really, you know, unique to it. But we, we, you know, it, it used to, it used to be that, uh, you know, oscillated turkeys, you know, people never saw more than two or three at a time in the mm. jungle. You know, they weren't great flocks of birds like you might see a Eastern wild turkeys uh, or, 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 you know, Rios, you know, out there. And, and so they, these birds would, would, uh, they just it just wasn't normal to see lots of them. But down in Campeche and around were one of the areas where we, we he had two sites, one way up in the jungle and then the other one down uh, sort of in Mennonite community where they were, you know, clearing part of the forest and putting in agricultural crops. Mm-hmm. And they had done quite a bit of that and successfully uh, in growing these crops. But uh, so we, we go around and there are hundreds, hundreds of oscillated turkeys yeah. in agricultural fields. And I, I think John and, and myself, you know, were one of the first to really record, gee, we just saw 200 birds in this field. And we drove down the road, you know, a quarter, three quarters of a mile. And here's another field with 200, mm. you know, oscillated turkeys in it. And I remember telling James Earl that. You know, and some of them, and he's like, oh, those birds, you know, they move down there. Yeah, they're, they're not like that, you know. And um, it, it really hadn't been recorded that way or documented. There, there were probably people who knew that. I mean, the Mennonites. But, but, but in the sort of the professional community, that, that wasn't, they, they were jungle birds. You didn't see them often. Right. Even one of them, you, you didn't see them because it was thick jungle. Mm-hmm. And so, so things really changed. And so a lot of the hunting today, you know, is some of the best, most consistent hunting is no longer up in the jungle, but down, you know, adjacent to these agricultural sure. areas. There's a lot of birds around that area, yeah. you know, and, and, and then as the sort of the spring moves on, they move out of those agricultural areas and then, you know, move back out into the jungle. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, again, not, not unlike, um, you know, wild turkeys, uh, you know, you might have the Merriams where in the winter they drop down, you know, mm-hmm. lower, they stay around some of the agricultural places and, but as the snow melts, as you know, the season moves on, then they move up higher into the, you know, the mountains they or sure the do. hillsides of the Black Hills and they, yeah. and they, and then they just disperse out. You know, they're, they're you, you don't see a hundred, uh, Miriam's turkeys, you know, in the woods, in the Black Hills necessarily, you know, just up in the forest. That's right. Uh, but you can see them in the winter. Yep. You know? Yep. It's like anywhere right now they're here in New Hampshire and, and likely in Michigan, they're all starting to winter up. Um, although we're going to lose all our snow, I think here in the next 24 hours with a, a tropical system that's coming up the coast, but, and then it's all going to freeze up. So uh, there won't be a big snowpack, but yeah, the same thing. They're, they're all getting together, wintering up and, 
you know, it looks like there's 300 out in an, in an ag field and people are, oh, my goodness, we have so many turkeys. Like they were here all year. You just didn't see and they're all dispersed. But that's what they do. And it's always fun to engage in those conversations. Um I'm going to bring us home here uh, and give us a chance to talk and give you a chance to talk about uh, Nimrod Society and Hillsdale. So, as we said, you know, 50 years of experience, you retired uh, after 50 years with Michigan DNR, and then you were offered this position. Talk to us about the the Nimrod Society. Talk to us about Hillsdale and, and what this program is and how it's different than your standard wildlife uh, ecology education that someone's going to get for an undergrad and then decide to make choices beyond that. Yeah. So again, 50 years with the DNR, I retired. Uh, I had a great career, lots of fun, uh, worked with some outstanding professionals. Uh, and then I failed at retirement. Yeah. (laughs) 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 And, uh, you know, I, I retired on the, the first of April, April Fool's Day, and by July first, uh, I was working for Hillsdale College, yeah. and uh, the 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 college, the the program, the Nimrod Education Center program, uh, was an endowed position, and it was endowed. Just, I mean, I, I'm the first director of the Nimrod Education mm-hmm. Center at the college, and and the mission, the goal. Um, it is to inform the public about the contributions that hunters, anglers, and shooters make to conservation. Who pays for conservation? Yeah. Those are the people who pay for conservation and have through, you know, the uh, Pippin Robinson Wildlife Federal Wildlife Restoration Act that came into place, which is um, generates revenues from the shotgun shells, the firearms that you purchase, and and then from hunting licenses each state has. And when you buy a hunting license, you know, that goes usually into the state's, uh, you know, wildlife restoration uh, activities. And then those dollars are matched uh, with those federal dollars. Mm-hmm. So that that's how, you know, state fish and game agencies are really funded. But hunters are who help or anglers are really who help to do that. And, um, so at, at Hillsdale college, that's my mission. It's a, you know, it's, it's, it's bigger, broader, it's a national mission. And, uh, a lot of hunters don't know how they contribute to wildlife conservation. It's true. It's a sad, but true statement. You're, you're exactly right. And so turkeys, you know, are that great, avenue great venue to help share the story because you know they 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 were on the landscape and then you know extirpated over a large part of their range Mm -hmm. and and then you know in the in the in the 30s and 40s and you know into the 80s today you know we've taken them from you know species of scarcity to animals of abundance and a lot of people today are like wow i didn't know turkeys didn't always exist i see turkeys you know often so we're trying to tell that story mm. and, and that's a, you know, a, a great way to do it. Plus you have Thanksgiving, you know, so, so people are familiar with turkeys. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, at Thanksgiving, there's a time that comes up where you can share this uh, topic. So at, at Hillsdale, um, I, we also have the, uh, uh, the shooting facility, shooting education center. And, Hillsdale College is a is home to USA Shooting, which is kind of the arm of the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So people that are shooting in the Olympics um, have come to Hillsdale and uh, 
practiced, trained mm-hmm. prior to going out. And uh, it's been a very successful program. So it, loosely under my umbrella as part of that shooting facility, then there's we also have a biological station, uh, a, a great area that's loosely under that. And then my job is to... Um, also to try to establish wildlife councils in each state. So Mm. uh, currently there's a wildlife council in Colorado and one in Michigan. And their mission is to inform people about who pays for conservation. Does that work independently of the state agency or do you guys work hand in hand with something like that? Yeah, it's it. It's independent of the state agency, most of it, but the, the state agency um, is directly involved, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm getting to is you said, you know, you just highlighted a couple states there and we have way more states. So if somebody's hearing this and they say, oh, we'd love to see something like that in our state, how would how would one go about connecting dots and um, standing something up like that to educate the public beyond their hunter ed class that may or may not, and most of them do not talk about Pittman Robinson and and how the hunting uh, hunters and anglers dollars are are matched and put to work for the resource. Yeah, so this the in Michigan the council uh, uh, re- re- receives money through uh, the the legislature set this up. So one dollar out of my hunting license in Michigan goes towards the council to <clears throat> help fund this type of communication mm-hmm. that goes to places like Detroit or Grand Rapids for people who aren't hunters or anglers it's not a it's not really a hook and bullet type of sell mm-hmm. it's for it's for the voting public sure so that they, who pays how it's done and things like bald eagles you don't hunt bald eagles obviously mm-hmm. they're a national symbol but they like turkeys were almost i mean they were you know on the endangered species list. yeah the turkey weren't but these were and uh, we've seen uh, eagles go from being an endangered species to now not even being listed anymore. Yeah. Again, from a species of right. scarce to an animal of abundance. And and indirectly, hunters' dollars helped with that. Mm-hmm. They can't be used for restoration of eagles, but the, the hunters' dollars part of it. But what they did do is create good habitat That's for right. ducks, good habitat for other wildlife, mm-hmm. huntable wildlife. I like to call call those things the unendangered species because <laughs> they're the hunted wildlife. And uh, they never really, you know, what became listed because hunters said, we want to see these wildlife. We were willing to pay for this wildlife. And we want to be able to hunt them. And that's what we're what we're doing. Yeah. And so that's that's how this all makes that great big circle back around yeah. is by creating habitat for these other wildlife. Um, we, we've also improved habitat for bald eagles. And so they've done well. We've we've helped to generate clean water, clean air, provide the you know, fish that don't have contaminants mm-hmm. in it because, you know, that's important. It's important messaging. And then we, we you know, on, on this program, often we talk about this, this 80%, this middle 80%. And that's what your mission is clearly targeted at. And that's, you know, we're always trying to figure that out. And WTF, we're, we're always working to 
to message towards, you know, not just our crowd, uh, but to, to your neighbors, to your neighbors who, who see you go out at four o'clock in the morning in the spring and scratch their head. Um, and now they have an understanding and knowing that it's, you know, we don't go out there and plant the placard and say this work was for the turkeys only, you know, deer, bear and everything else be damned. Uh, this is for the game species and non-game species alike. And, and everyone that goes out and and, and consumes that, that resource, uh, maybe not by pulling a trigger, but by hitting the shutter uh, button on their camera or just watching. Right. Just just enjoying wild places um, with in the creatures that live in there. They're consuming that. Right. So without us. Probably doesn't happen. Right. That management yeah, piece, it does not happen. I saw something recently that, you know, these wild places are so much enjoyable with wild things in them. And if we don't have wild creatures to observe, to enjoy, to to sit there and just ponder, um, you're staring at the grass. And I don't mean to put it so bluntly, but I mean, that's that's why people like to go out in the woods. And this time of year, they're trekking in the snow. You're solving a mystery. You're 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 you're, these. This is fun, natural things that we want to be in. We want to go out and explore and and be amongst them. Uh, Hopefully not too close and you don't get gored in Yellowstone kind of thing. But you you understand where I'm going with this. Oh, yeah. No. And it's and and the National Turkey Federation has been a a leader from from the very beginning. That's right. in this 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 uh, R3 hunter retention recruitment mm-hmm. um, reactivate side of it they, they 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 were part of this before there was the term R3 exactly right and a guy by the name of um, Steve Sharp who who's a close Weedy. friend and a real real yeah real avid um, individual a field rep for nwtf also recently retired Mm -hmm. we've worked together a lot and we did these mentoring type programs before it was you know really something that was uh uh, registered on a docket and 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 so nwtf both in the restoration side of wild turkeys in the communicating the message have have been the core leaders of all of it uh, and very strong in that. And then, you know, to, to talk to your side of, you know, people just wanting to get out now, I, I think the pandemic really highlighted yes, sir. that need for being out, seeing wildlife. There was a lot of discussion prior to the pandemic as, oh, get outside, you know, yeah. go out and look. And there were a lot of people who just heard it, but didn't participate. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden the pandemic fell into play and look what's happened, you know, record numbers of people at national parks. Mm-hmm. And why are they going to Yellowstone? They're going to Yellowstone to see the, you know, the bison and, yep. you know, the grizzly bears. That's and exactly right. Anything else. And I, I think that's inherent to who we are as people. A hundred percent. And, and, and we, we tend to lose that, you know, as we become, oh. Uh, more focused on making a dollar in working in eking out our, you know, our personal mm-hmm. livings. Um, and, you know, now you're seeing again, partly because of the pandemic is people that are going, you know, getting cabin fever <laughs> and, and saying, let's go out and for, for m- mental health issues, quality of life issues is I, I just want to walk around in, in the woods. And if I see a crow or a blue jay, this is a great day. It's and, a great day. For, for those of us who hunt and are out like that a lot or fish, we get to see this when we're out. And we 
we really, we know that, but we lose track that there's a lot of individuals who live in an apartment, who live in the city, mm-hmm. who, you know, maybe an English sparrow might be <laughs> the only wildlife pigeon that they see. And, but now they're, they're saying, wow, this is pretty cool. I want to do it. I want to be part of it. Mm-hmm. We had a legislator here in Michigan that um, she was raised in Detroit and, um, you know, had never hunted or fished, you know, at all, really. And so we took her duck hunting. We took her fishing. And what what she was so, um, it was just eye-opening for her was, gee, here is the Detroit River, and we can go out, and it's one of the best places to catch walleye. And hers, her, <laughs> her side of it was, I have lived here my whole life, and I didn't know, I, I didn't realize just what a resource was right here. Mm. I mean, in sight of the Renaissance Center, you know, I mean, downtown Detroit, great fishing, outstanding, yeah. Lake St. Clair, Lake Erie. Um and so she got to participate and she's like, I mean, she, she's the walking billboard for yeah. folks. Let's get out and go hunting and fishing. And she, yeah. she went duck hunting and I, I give her so much credit because she went duck hunting and also Facebook is the issue of the day or was a couple of years ago prior to TikTok. And, and, <laughs> uh, she, she said, gee, I went out, I hunted this, you know, these ducks, I brought them home. I cooked them. I prepared them, fed my family. I'm, I just, I love this. I, I didn't know. And then Facebook wise, she starts to get some of her friends or followers kind of, you know, like, Oh, why would you kill a sure. little duck? And she, she just went right back at him and said, here are the reasons. This is who we are, you know, and we are hunters and gatherers and here's what it's about. And, um, I fed my family with it and, you know, I know where my food comes from. Right. And, and she, she was just so eloquent mm-hmm. in how on the people and she didn't back down. It's like, here are the facts. And yeah, they're in, and that's they're pretty impressive. They're irrefutable facts and there's nothing more natural to do. There's nothing more empowering to do for, for an individual or one's family. And in the last 50, 60 years, we've just gotten away from it. Um, and there's a bigger conversation to be had there, but, uh, thank goodness for people like her. Thank goodness for people like you. Um, and, and the hard work volunteers are doing on the ground, uh, messaging this out and, and just having conversations and creating opportunity and taking people out and letting them know, yeah, for the last 40 years, you've been standing next to that river edge and, and holy smokes, just a great resource. And I'm glad you've come to it. Let's not let the younger generation miss out in the next 40 years. Al, I appreciate all your time. I feel like we've just scratched the surface and I hope to do this again very soon because um, I, I thoroughly enjoy the conversation and, and what you have to offer and, and your storytelling ability. So let's, let's not make it too long before we do this again, sir. I appreciate it. Well, I'm, I'm always happy to talk with you. I, 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 I love wildlife. I love turkeys and uh, I, I love the, you know, the contributions that hunters and anglers have made to our natural resources. The article is uh, Five Decades on the Hunt, story and photos by Jeff Heldson uh, here in the new edition of the Turkey Call magazine. If you are a member, you have it or are getting it. If you're not a member, sign up.
35 bucks gets you this great book with great stories like this. And you get to meet and, and hear from uh, fantastic people that have been at it for decades, contributing to what we are enjoying today. Uh, best wishes to you, Al, over the holidays. Happy New Year. Um, if you are a convention, let's make sure we connect. If you're not, uh, I hope to connect with you very soon here uh, before or after convention um, and continued success. If people want to get in touch with you or have interest about Hillsdale and and uh, the Nimrod School, how can they get in touch with you? Well, probably the, the easiest way to do it is just go to Google Nimrod Education Center. And uh, just so you know, Nim Nimrod uh, was the uh, stands for the mighty hunter before the Lord in Genesis. That's exactly so. right. Uh, they I don't remember exactly when it was that term got uh, uh, hijacked, but it you know it's made now today's colloquialisms or it's a dunce or something of that effect. But there's a historical uh, reckoning with that that name, and you just you just said it and quoted it from Genesis and the mighty hunter, and uh, before it was a dunce. Uh, terminology it it held and still does uh holds um a place of honor and and language so uh do yourself a favor uh, research nimrod and get a quick education you'll be smarter than most of your friends if you do i'd be happy to help anybody that you know if anybody has any questions or interest please feel free to get a hold of me very good al thank you so much for your time i appreciate you sir thank you okay guys i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did uh it is a it is a pleasure and a treat when you get to have a guest on like Al, um, and and we did we just scratched the surface, um, uh, fifty years of of being on the ground, uh, and then his work that continues uh, at Hillsdale. Uh, I do encourage you guys if you do have the the magazine the book, um, of, of Turkey Call here the January February twenty twenty three edition. Uh, it starts on page one twenty. Uh, you can read that, and then uh, you know reach out to Al if you have questions, but, um, what a, what a fascinating resume and, and storytelling, uh, there. And, and we will make that happen. Um, I think I hit the stop. So in the off air time, Al and I had, uh, he mentioned he will be at convention. So, um, look forward to bringing Al to you on the, uh, the live podcast, uh, feature there. Uh, if you are in Nashville, Come find us. We're going to be um, the podcast area will be by the uh, the show floor doors as you're. So if you're familiar with the Gaylord, you go under the the Delta Bridge. There's that big round there that we put the the big hashtag NWTF show block letters there. Uh, right there is going to be uh, in the Ryman Room C, I believe. We're going to be right there. You'll see the the signage. We're going to have a bunch of posters and stuff up uh, so you guys can come check out all the guests, the guest lineup for the podcast feature. And uh, I will definitely make sure Al is there. You can come meet Al, shake his hand, ask him questions about 50 amazing years of, of trapping and hunting and conservation and, and, and learn more about uh, his efforts. So um, living history. Fantastic. I, I eat that stuff up for, for days. And I, if I had eight hours to devote to Al, I'm sure we could have filled them and it would have been the fastest eight hours we ever had. Uh, maybe, maybe there's something there and we do a series uh, just on that. So um, thank you, Al, for your time. And uh, we'll do it again very soon. Uh, talking about convention just now on the out uh, guys, uh, the sports show registration is open. Get on there, get your, your your bracelets the convention side is open 
sign up for there. You're going to go there for any ticketing. So if there's an event you want to go to in the evening, there's an auction, any of that, those that's separate from the sports show. So make sure you're registering for both. Uh, you can get on that now. The the Gaylord is sold out. We do have uh, hotel partners right there in the vicinity. You're going to want to get in there now and make your arrangements if you haven't yet. Um, some of the Marriott properties that are around uh, the Gaylord, uh, all that can be found on the uh, the convention uh, page at nwtf.org. Go there uh, and check all that out. As always, guys, <clears throat> as we head into 2023, thank you for your support. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the stuff you're seeing, the content uh, via social, uh, through the magazine. Uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of thought and energy gets put into this by a lot of talented people. And we appreciate uh, your support, perpetuating these stories, sharing them socially, passing the, the book along to to a young person or a new hunter in your life. You let them have the magazine thumb through it. It's a beautiful, well-produced uh, book. Uh, and let them check that out every couple months as you get a new one that's gonna be it guys for 2022 by when this drops in real time we'll have days left in the year as we head into 2023 so i hope it is a positive healthy and happy new year's to you all i hope you enjoyed your christmas holiday season it is full tilt uh, to the 50th celebration here we are kicking things off in a couple days from the drop of this podcast and its uh, original dropping um to the 50th. So, uh, blessings on your family party hard and safe. Uh, and let's see y'all in Nashville, nwtf.org guys. That's the place to be to get all your convention information, the latest up to date, uh, events, scheduling, uh, and getting your tickets for everything else. Follow us socially, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok while it lasts. Uh, YouTube, check out our YouTube channel, guys. That thing is blowing up. I am so happy and proud of the community uh, we have worked so hard to to build there. Um, I imagine by this time this this drops, we will be knocking on the door of three hundred thousand subscribers to our audience. And I thank y'all for visiting and subscribing and following um, and and showing the world who we are, what our what our stories are and the good that we're doing and who our, this amazing membership is. Uh, so uh, check out NWTF online at YouTube and uh, continue to like, uh, subscribe, follow where you can with this podcast on all the podcast platforms. It helps us. If you leave a, a rating, if you leave a comment that is positive and beat the the algorithmic overlords that exist in, <laughs> in the digital world, uh, let's get this show uh, up and running and in and, and, and the faces of, of the non-turkey hunting public so that they uh, they can hear great stories like, they, like you heard today uh, with Al and uh, so many more. That's it, guys. Until next year dad joke there it's only a couple days away 2023 it's coming we'll see you then until then be safe be kind love each other see ya under the visionary leadership of founder johnny morris bass pro shops and cabela's is leading north america's largest conservation movement their partnership with the national wild turkey federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across america the Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation. 
Some say a silenced gunshot is the baddest sound out there. At Silencer Central, we have another favorite. It's the sound of silence delivered to your front door. When you buy from Silencer Central, we handle your application, set you up with a free NFA gun trust, and deliver your silencer straight to you. With an average 90-day turnaround time when you use eForms, buying a silencer is simpler than ever. Visit silencercentral.com and we'll help you get started. Have you been to shop.nwtf.org yet? Well, if not, I invite you to go there now. Again, that's shop.nwtf.org for all the latest and greatest NWTF lifestyle gear. Need a trucker cap? We got you covered. Need a low pro hat? We got you covered there. Guys gear, ladies gear, kids gear, accessories for the pool, for the backyard, for hunting, camping. We got you all there. Shop.nwtf.org. Go there today and get your latest NWTF gear.